0: Welcome to The Struggle Is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges for Modern Parenting. Check out this week's episode. I
1: wouldn't be surprised if my daughter was angry at me the rest of the night.
2: I'm not angry at you, I'm angry at DJ, that little tool. When you were six months old, you broke your leg. I did? Oh, it was my fault. In my opinion, Mr.
3: Garko, you can
4: call me Todd, Coach.
3: (laughs) Mr. Garko, your son sits on the bench more than the other kids because he don't want to play.
0: The struggle is real. Podcast starts in three, two, one
5: and ladies and gentlemen welcome to the episode of the struggle is real i am omar ramos and as always joining me veronica avila and filling in for dr alicia is dr susie francis ladies how are you great we're doing well
0: we're doing well we're happy because today we have another parenting challenge
5: Yay. To tackle it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> always
5: this is something that we wanted to kind of like come back to and we've called it recovering from parenting mistakes now does that sound familiar?
0: Uh, yeah, after three kids, I think I think I kind of got a hang of it. Well, I still make some mistakes, but. How about you guys?
5: Every day is a process. Yes.
0: None of us are perfect. <laughs> That's right. Today we can either get a plan to stop making those mistakes or said or a set of lessons learned to help turn things around.
5: Exactly. Now to discuss this further, we've invited once again James Breakwell, also known as the Exploding Unicorn. He's a comedy writer raising four daughters, ages eight and under, and believe it or not, one pig. H two. <laughs> He's soon to publish his second book, Bare Minimum Parenting, The Ultimate Guide to Not Quite Ruining Your Child. Welcome back, James. Hi, thank you very much for having me.
0: We're excited to have you. I know you've had some adventures with your daughters and now with your pig. <laughs> I, I want to learn how to how to handle all that, how to juggle all that. Hopefully we'll get some tips from you today. Now, what's one parenting mistake as an icebreaker, guys? What's one parenting mistake that you recall, that you may or may not regret. Doctor? Oh, man. There is quite a few with a little infant, but I definitely learned. My son,
6: he's over a year old, and his head is still in the 80 to 90th percentile, so he topples over and one of them was turning my back for three seconds while he was on the changing table. So, he fell, and I just felt horrible, but he did not have any long-term effects, and I learned my lesson to never turn my back on my (laughs) ever-moving infant.
0: Oh, wow. Well, I'm glad he's doing well,
6: so am I.
5: Right, for sure. I think on this side, always trying to make my daughter happy, bring things to her life to make her happy. And I think it's very important that a child finds or learns to be happy on their own. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I've, now that she's 12, I've, I kind of start retracing back the way that I've been with her. And I'm always like giving her things and doing this for her and doing that for her. And I think I mean, we've never actually sat down and talked about, you know, what things make you happy aside mm-hmm. of, from what I do for you. So I think that'd be one of the things that I'd like to explore a little bit more for sure.
0: Wow. Well, first time mom, really young, really naive. And I had to get milk, right? So I was like, okay, I'm going to Jewel. I parked, I went in, <laughs> I left her in the car.
4: Oh, my goodness.
0: I did. I was that mom. I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. I, I just took me like two minutes. I ran in there, grabbed the milk, came out, and, and then I was out, right? She was right in front of of Jewel. But I swear, <laughs> now I think about it, and I'm like, oh, my God, Veronica, I could have gone to jail. <laughs> like, horrible. I would never, obviously, never do it again. But my goodness, now that I, I think about it, I'm like, ooh, I shouldn't have done
5: that. Yeah. But. No, no, no. No more of that, please.
0: (laughs) How about you, James?
7: Oh, I I have one that I keep falling for over and over again. It's letting my kids eat candy before dinner. It's like, just one piece, (laughs) just let us have it. Every single time, they eat it, and then they don't eat anything for dinner. And they already got their dessert, so they're happy. I just, it's the ongoing
5: battle every single night.
0: Dessert before dinner. I like that. That's kind of cool. Once in a while, right? Maybe.
5: Um, common facts uh, as far as parenting mistakes. One of them, according to the uh, provider of this information, uh, psychology today, under or overdoing it with your kids. There is a tendency for parents to be under or over involved in their kids' lives. This happens for a few reasons. Many parents have made a vow to treat their kids differently than how they were treated. For example, if your parents were extremely strict, like mine, mm. you may be somewhat permissive. Now, if you were a deprived child, you may buy your kids everything and become very overindulgent. Your Mm. kids can also become entitled and expect way too much. This is how well-attentioned behavior can result in big problems. Finding, this is very important, finding a healthy balance Is key.
0: Hmm. That's probably what you were talking about earlier. Now, Mm -hmm. also not getting to know your child, right? So I assume that my kid is the way he is because he starts acting a little bit like my brother who was a total mess as a Mm -hmm. kid, right? And and then I think, my kid's just like that. That's one of the mistakes that that many parents will do. Now, similarly, experts say, do not assume that your daughter has your personality just because she looks like you. Mm.
5: Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting.
0: (laughs) That is interesting. And
5: and this is a big one also, believing that worrying about your kids will Prevent them from harm. Now this is again, according to psychology today, simply untrue. Worrying does not lead to anything good. Concern on the other hand is helpful because it leads you to in the best scenarios to teach your kids about important life skills for sure.
0: Hmm. Now another one is maintaining expectations that are too low or too high. Veronica, Veronica. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I can identify myself with this one. Now, there's a tendency to label your kids ex per se. So maybe you label your firstborn as the smart kid. Hmm. Your next child as the attractive one and your youngest one is the social child. And this is unfair. You know what? I have to complain about this one. I have a twin sister. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and w- growing up, we always were compared. Wow. So people would ask, instead of saying which one's Karina and which one's Veronica, they would say, oh, and which one's the, which one's the happy one and mm-hmm. which one's the one that gets angry first? Uh-huh. And I, it would really annoy me to hear mm. that. Now that I see this here, I'm thinking, oh, am I doing that with my kids? I hope not. Doctor, finding a balance is important, right? Yes, it's really important
6: to think through that we're not going to be perfect, but we need to be aware. For sure.
0: Now, we can probably all relate to at least one of these, and I'm sure we have the best intentions, but they don't always end up well. So with this in mind, why don't we go into our first sketch? This is called Overshadowed.
1: don't feel sorry for you. There are more people in this family than just you, young man. As soon as you figure that out, you can come out of your room. I'm fine. I'm not. Can I come in? It's your house. So, I made a mistake. I think it was a pretty bad one, too. I wouldn't be surprised if my daughter was angry at me the rest of the night. I'm not angry at you. I'm angry at DJ, that little tool. He couldn't just be cool in the car for a few hours. He knew I was excited to go to that concert. He didn't care. No, honey, don't be mad at your brother. It's not his fault. Your father and I should have known the trip was going to be hard for him. We could have worked it out better. Well, I'm still mad. If not at DJ, then at his tantrum. That's fair. I can't help but feel like I let you down too, though. It's just... We should have kept driving, even with your brother screaming his head off. We paid more attention to him because he was louder, but you needed us more today. In the moment, it's sometimes hard to tell, but we were wrong to turn around. I'm sorry.
0: That's okay. It doesn't matter anyway. We missed the concert. I guess there's always next year, if DJ doesn't spoil it.
1: What about next weekend? What about it? Why don't we just try again, without your brother? He and dad can stay home, and the two of us could go. Tommy Cooper isn't playing Austin next week. Where is he playing? I don't know. My phone says he's in New York, Friday and Saturday at 8. Yeah, right. We'll just fly to New York for a Tommy Cooper concert. Tickets are only $200. Are you serious? We go to New York. Yeah, why not? You're busy next weekend? Uh, Oh my God, that'd be amazing. Are you serious? As a heart attack. (laughs) That's amazing. You're so cool. You're the best mom ever. Okay, okay, okay. I'm really thrilled you're excited and all, but I need you to calm down. Look sad. Why? I'm happy. I know, but you need to ask your dad for $400 to go see Tommy Cooper in New York. It'll work better if you're sad. What? Can't you ask him? Uh, he'd just tell me no. We need you to ask him. If you're really sad, he won't say no. Are you sure? Absolutely. You've never noticed that? I could have a tree fall on me, and he wouldn't notice. But if you're upset, he jumps Everything. You should go ask him now while he's still feeling guilty. Um, okay. And if he asks, tell him I'll pay for the airfare. Okay. And be quiet outside your brother's door. I think he fell asleep. Okay. (laughs) Nailed it.
0: Well, that was a cool move. Mom, I mean, I'm not sure that all parents, I know I certainly can't do go to New York, $200 a ticket, but mm-hmm. that was cool. <laughs> she was able to make it up to her daughter. Now, prior to that, we heard of disappointed Kelsey because mom circled back home instead of making it to the concert that she was looking right. forward to. And all because her little brother had a meltdown in the car. Hmm. Doctor, talk to us about what could have been going on in mom's head at the time, and then later on when she pulled this whole scene off.
6: Yeah, I think it's the parent eternal guilt. And we talk a lot about mom guilt, but I know dads can have it too. Mm -hmm. And I think she wanted to please both kids. I mean, for all we know, uh, there was a reason the little brother was melting down that she felt bad about. Maybe she knew she hadn't had the schedule he needed or something else where Mm -hmm. she had two different competing needs. And in the moment, it seemed better to have her child, which she then admitted was sleeping, have some of his needs met. Um, But then once she was at home and he was asleep, now she turned around and really went to the extreme on uh, trying to please her other child. I also think there's some dynamic going on between mom and dad where there's a little bit of teaching manipulation. Maybe she wants a trip away uh, Uh with her daughter. And she's also jealous where she said, dad will do anything for you. So it's almost like she's trying to win a little of her daughter's attention by going over the top.
0: I did notice that. I was like, oh, okay, go. And if you're sad, if you're upset, he's going to say yes. What is that teaching her daughter?
6: Oh, that's a really unhealthy long term technique on manipulating not only her dad, but what will that look like in relationships and how will that haunt mom later? Once they get to New York, is her daughter going to want something that they can't afford since they Mm. used all the money on the tickets? And what if her face is long and sad? I, I think it was hard to hear the long term lesson she was teaching her daughter for a short term return.
5: Now I'm going to ask James: Has something like this ever happened to you with your daughters, and how did you go about it?
7: Yeah, I I definitely wouldn't pull out my checkbook and pay $400. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) We had one incident a a few years ago where uh, we were going to go out trick-or-treating. I only had two kids at the time, and it was rainy and cold anyway. And then all of a sudden, we had to take the older kid to immediate care for something, like right when trick-or-treating was supposed to start. And we ended up not going to trick-or-treating that year. And uh, we, you know, you can buy some candy afterwards, you know, at the sale, so you can still get it. that way. It's, but I, At the same time, I think it's important for kids to learn that sometimes things go fall through. There are going to be disappointments in life, and every time that happens, you know, there's not going to be somebody to rush in with their credit card and fly you someplace or do something. I mean, th- sometimes things just don't work out, and mm-hmm. part of growing up is learning to accept that. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you can find other opportunities, and sometimes you can't, but you definitely shouldn't go behind people's back and start manipulating them when you don't get your way.
0: I, I think you're right on point with that mm-hmm. one. Keeping it real in that sense is important too, you know. That's they, the, they got to know what you can, and we you can't give them what they want, right? Now, Dr. Susie, what can you say to parents who juggle with a lot? So they have a lot on their mind. What can be a rule of thumb when dealing with tantrums by the other siblings?
6: Yeah, I think one of the things is to deal with things as a team. I know they do this in schools. They do it as a best practice, and I'm sure uh, James deals with this too, but there is some dynamic to the truth of team that helping, you don't want everyone to pay for one person, but at times, if one person is either sick, as James' example, Mm -hmm. or in the story we heard, um, someone is having a tantrum, then there is a team effect and you can teach up or in a positive way that, what you know what, this is what we want to do, but to that point of disappointment you can turn a disappointment into a family learning opportunity. Mm -hmm. Like, how can we work as a team when someone's down? How do we pull up the team versus uh, negatively punish the one team member that is either tantruming, sick, or for whatever reason can't pull it together to have the thing that we're so eager to do happen? And I think with juggling just to realize that as we juggle, even and the most expert jugglers at some point drop balls. So mm-hmm. when we drop that ball to have the humility to just say we're sorry, and how can we teach recovering from that versus going over the top and buying 20 more balls? Oh, my goodness, <laughs> and I still can't
0: 200 out of 30. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, thank you. Thank All you All right, that great advice.
5: example, Dr. Susie, for sure. Uh, let's go ahead and roll into our next sketch. This is called Emergencies Ahead. <laughs> I really don't feel like playing anything, mom.
2: What else are you going to do? Worry?
8: I want to be ready when they wheel my son back out.
2: he will be right here. What's the problem?
8: So, uh, what are we playing? Rummy. Okay. This is his first time at the hospital. I mean, other than when he was born.
2: Well, five years is a pretty good run.
8: I can't get the sound of his crying out of my head. I keep thinking about it.
2: You acted quickly. You did everything you could. Now it's out of your hands.
8: He shouldn't have been playing by an automatic door. I mean, when it opened, I saw everything in slow motion. His arm getting trapped behind it. I remember I froze for just a second, but I froze. I could hear his bone break.
2: That's just something that happens in the movies. When a real bone breaks, you don't hear anything. I heard it. It's your imagination making you feel guilty. Relax kids break bones all the time. I
8: never did. Of
2: course you did. Your leg.
8: You're, you're, you're thinking of Todd. He broke his leg in junior high.
2: Don't tell me what I'm remembering. I'm thinking of you. When you were six months old, you broke your leg. I did? Oh, it was my fault. I was watching you and you fell off the bed. Threw yourself off. it. It's more like it. And I couldn't catch you in time. I've never heard this story Well, I didn't want many people to know You cried when you fell, but afterwards you acted fine, no fuss A week later, you were still keeping your weight off that leg So Pop and I took you to the doctor, and he told us it was broken That's when I remembered you fell off the bed felt awful about the whole thing, but everything turned out okay Huh, I never knew that Would you have wanted to?
8: I guess so, I don't know
2: well, I'm, I'm telling you now, because you're not the only parent to ever let their kid get hurt.
8: I didn't think that. I just don't want it to happen again.
2: Well, that's great. It probably will. You you can't protect him from everything, and you can't punish yourself for it. So, are you going to play, or...?
8: no? Oh, sorry. Rummy.
2: Oh, ouch. How could you? You cut me with aces.
8: Yeah, well, you broke my leg. <laughs>
2: I'm going to regret telling you that.
5: And here we go. We're back. And we heard a very concerned Mark at the emergency room with his mom. Now, he feels guilty because he couldn't avoid the accident Mm -hmm. where his young son broke his arm, unfortunately. On the other hand, we have grandma who is cool as a cucumber because to her, it's not a big deal. In an effort to reassure Mark, she tells him about... The time he fell off the road or he had this accident and she couldn't catch him now is Mark, overreacting here. James, I want to ask you this question. What would have been your reaction?
7: Well, I mean, it, it, it's hard not to be upset when your child breaks their arm. I mean, your whole goal is to get through the day with zero broken appendages. So that's going to be a bad day right there. Uh, but <laughs> I will say, I I, I reckon that, you know, the grandma's story about a kid falling off the bed, I have to say that every single one of our kids mm-hmm. has fallen off the bed. Because yes. they start out, they can't roll, they can't move, and it, you're safe leaving them there. And every time, every single time they've learned to roll, it was when we were at my parents' house and we laid them down on their super high bed every time we're like this time surely it'll be okay and that's how they learned to roll and they learned how gravity works so I think it does always happen no matter what you do there are going to be accidents I mean nobody breaks an arm on purpose everybody who ever gets hurt has done it because you know it, it was accidental so I, I think as a parent you have to accept those things are going to happen you do your best to, uh, to minimize those risks but when they do happen you can't give up and, and curl up in a ball and blame yourself mm-hmm. life goes on and you just have to try to do better next time
0: that's that's right? I like that. And that's actually going to be going to be my next question to Dr. Susie. Parenting mistakes are inevitable. Inevitable. Now, how can we stay on track but avoid guilting ourselves every time something bad happens to them?
6: Yes, it, that is so hard. And I'm just laughing and laughing about the bad thing because that was my admission, right? His son with that 80% head, it just, oh, his body follows his head. So we are just very <laughs> neurotic. I think even just what I've learned, not just for, through my education and teaching parents, but as a parent myself of a, a young one, is I try to take moments that can be used for guilt for learnings. Like, what is the learning in this? Like when if we really actually pause and say, OK, this happened, I feel horrible. Is there anything I could do differently? Um, a lot of people take that as beating oneself up, which mm-hmm. I really disagree, because sometimes you beat ourselves up and then we do nothing to think about, is there something I could have done differently? But if we pause, I mean, now our son has not fallen off the, mm-hmm. the bed or anything else after in one occasion of the changing table and the bed we said okay what are the things we have to do differently and then we've been able to change the course of Mm -hmm. things I think that's what we do as parents just kind of pause and say what am I going to do differently
0: next time is a way that we can learn rather than beat ourselves up for sure when you were saying that I recall the time when I have lived in a two floor house and my oldest daughter I didn't really think about the stairs so of course she fell down the stairs mm -hmm. and I I felt horribly. And then after that, I was like, okay, so what can I do? I'm going to teach her exactly. how to get down. So she couldn't do it forward, but she could come down Backward. backwards. So mm-hmm. I, I taught her that. So then when I had my other two kids, that was the first thing that I taught them. <laughs> come on, we're going to go down the stairs. Do we go <laughs> it like this? And of course, one of them did fall. But Oh, well, one time, well, the, you, the, I, you know, life happens. Yeah. Life happens. Yeah, for sure.
5: Now, James, can you recall a time that you felt guilty about something that happened to your kids? And how did you uh, fix it or administer it?
7: One time, it, was, it had to do with the stairs. I guess on topic my oldest daughter um, she had never gone down the stairs she walked by the top of stairs all the time and never showed any inclination to go down I thought I could trust her completely and one day I was standing on the front porch there's only three or four steps but they're concrete I look over and she's fine I look over and she's fine I look over and she's at the bottom of the stairs she rolled down four concrete steps and she hit her head on the concrete planter at the bottom but you know what she popped up and I think she hurt that planter more than she hurt her head that's when I learned my kids heads are all made of steel so (laughs) after that (laughs) I no longer trusted my kids near the top of stairs, no no matter how reliable they were And all. So I remember that they're basically, you know, indestructible.
0: More than one parent will relate with that. (laughs) For sure, those things happen. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, let's go into our last scenario. This one sounds like trouble. It's called put him in, coach. Keep those knees up, Craig. Move it. Move it! Hey
3: there, Coach Haynes. Do you mind if I have a quick word with you? Kinda busy at the moment, Mr. (whistles) Garko. Come on, Timmy. My grandmother can run faster than that with a piano on her back.
4: <laughs> I can see that. Boy, it must be a lot of work whipping those slow pokes into shape. I do admire your dedication, Coach. Say, you know my boy Gary, he's pretty fast.
3: I couldn't help but notice you've got him sitting on the bench. What's that for, then? Your son was complaining about intestinal distress, so he's taking a water break. Intestinal distress? His words, not mine. <whistles> you want some popcorn, Craig? You enjoying the show? Don't think because I'm talking here that I didn't see it. You take your little water break. Well, uh, look, Coach, I-, I can see you're plenty busy, and also I
4: just say uh, I'm going to cut right to the chase. You need to play my boy more. He'll never improve otherwise. Some of these boys play 30, 40 minutes a game. My Gary only gets 10 minutes. He never even
3: touches the ball. In my opinion, Mr. Garko, I You can I call th- me Todd, coach. Mr. Garkle, your son sits on the bench more than the other kids because he don't want to play. Okay? If you want your son to play more, I suggest you take it up with him. <whistles> All right, that is it, Craig! Five extra laps, and if I see you take another break, it'll be five extra on top of that. Look, Coach,
4: my son passed your little uh, tryouts, and he's grateful to be here. But When I was his age, I couldn't even play soccer. He knows that, so if he tells you he don't want to play, you just say, too freaking bad, Gary. Dad, can you not bother, Coach? Everybody can see. Feeling better over
3: there, Gary? No, Coach. I'm still feeling some intestinal distress. I think it's best if I just go home. If that's what you think. Well,
4: hey, no, that's the opposite of what you should be saying. He's never gonna wanna do the
3: darn sport if he never plays. Mr. Garkle, if you're finished telling me how to do my job, I have to get back to it. All right, Craig, I have seen molasses run slower in January. Come on, Dad, let's go home.
4: I told you, I don't like soccer. Of course you don't. You never play it. You're staying here. You're going to practice. I'm just going to keep sitting on the bench. I'm not paying for you to sit on the bench. Get in there and play.
5: But,
1: Dad... Just play.
5: Okay, so we're back, and that was... Well, dad trying to get his son to play more, but according to the coach, Gary doesn't want to play. He's in denial. But ultimately, we hear Gary telling his dad that he doesn't like to play. Now, Dr. Susie... Why do you think Gary didn't have this conversation with his dad before?
6: Well, as we all heard, dad is not a very Mm -hmm. easy uh, person to talk to, and it Mm -hmm. doesn't seem like dad is really open. Okay. And so I think many times uh, when we're dead set as a parent on something and we're not pausing, we're not asking any questions, it is going to shut our child down. Because as we heard, he didn't ask questions. He didn't even ask if his stomach hurt or not. He didn't ask if he wanted to play. And I, I loved how you started us off today with saying, you haven't asked your daughter what makes her happy so I think Mm -hmm. just sometimes as parents we want the best with such passion we forget to pause and actually treat our kids as thinking feeling beings that may have certain opinions and granted we don't want to run with their opinions we do want to start to get to know them
0: very true now another thing that we can see and I don't know if this is the case with this dad but many parents wish their kids can excel at something that they couldn't themselves do what can you say to parents who want to live out their dreams in their kids or through their kids. James.
7: I actually had an entire chapter in my new book about this. I think I think just as a nation, we're way too obsessed with sports. And, yeah. and a lot of the time, kids kids don't want to play. And they start out playing. I mean, when they're little, they might like running around the, you know, the soccer field playing, kicking the ball back and forth real casual. By the time you have them in three traveling leagues and it's taken up every single Saturday, they might be sick of it. And at that point, that's when parents say, well, you can't quit now. I paid for you to travel. I paid mm-hmm. for your soccer camps. I paid for the cleats. And you're going to do this. And I think that's the worst thing we can do as parents. We're throwing good money after bad. We've got this idea that, that quitting is bad. And maybe maybe quitting like, you know, two days in or at the middle of the season, that might be bad. But to get to the end of the season and your kid doesn't enjoy it anymore, there's no reason to make them play from the time they're five all the way through high school. If they don't like something, I think it's our responsibility as individuals to say, hey, I have other interests. I'm my own person. I'm going to go pursue this. I don't have to do this forever just because I started it. I think we'd all be better off as parents if we could accept that at some point.
5: Mm-hmm, very true. Great stuff. Now, uh, Dr. Susie, I want to ask you exploring dad's son's uh, areas of interest is probably a better option. Yep. Can you talk to us about the benefits of taking the time to dive into our kids' interests? I mean, obviously, there'd be a a benefit from that, but can you kind of expand a little bit more on it?
6: Sure. And I love what James already said, that especially if they are not liking something one season, try something else out. Or Mm -hmm. lots of parents I know just go ahead and intentionally have their kids try something different each season just to see what their child likes. Mm -hmm. Why it's important to me is that often we get to 18, start college, and we ourselves don't know what we like mm-hmm. because we've had our parents and others make those decisions for us and we don't even know ourselves. Yeah. So I think if a parent gets past them and realizes me sitting down and exploring with my child, going to different sports events or music events, going and trying these things is not only allowing my child to get to know themselves, it helps me get to know them. But by 18, my child will be better at being a, their best advocate because they will have a better idea of what it even means to explore. They may not know themselves all the way at 18, but they'll at least know, how do I explore things? How do I try different things out at college or other opportunities without feeling
0: like I'm stuck in this particular track mm-hmm. um, and regretting it later? Yes. Yes. I totally, totally agree. I'm experiencing that with my daughter right now. She used to do cheer. She went for band A band set season just ended and she went back into cheer just last week. But she's having a hard time. Mm. And I told her last night, Mihai, you don't have to do cheer if you don't want to. If you're still, I mean, you don't have to do it. And she's thinking about it. And I'm going to back off a little because I try to support her in everything that she wants. But I think she had this idea that because she was already in cheer for three years in middle school that she now she has to do it in high school. Mm -hmm. So. Thank you for that. That that, that gives me validation. No, thank good. you, good mom, good mom. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you both for sharing your thoughts and expertise today, guys. James, talk to us about your book and where we can find more about it and the work that you also do.
7: The book is Bare Minimum Parenting, The Ultimate Guide to Not Quite Ruining Your Child. Uh, It came out uh, November 6th. It's available in bookstores and online. And and the basic idea, it's not really about how to be a lazier parent. It's how to put your energy into things that matter. I think there are so many parents out there who feel like they have to overachieve and push their kids, get them tutoring, get them extra coaching sessions to give them some kind of an edge. Mm -hmm. And, And my thought is that when we become adults, I don't think those, looking back, all those things matter. I mean, there are parents right now in tears because someone on a message board somewhere has told them, well, if you don't breastfeed or if you don't use formula, if you don't get the right brand of stroller, you're going to ruin this child's life. Mm-hmm. And in reality, I think we all turn out pretty well. So what this book is is permission to relax a little bit and raise your kid the way you want to raise them and not necessarily feel this pressure from the overachievers that you always have to be doing more. And I started out this book as a joke. I thought I was going to, a you know, funny way to see how little you could do as a parent. But by the end of it, I think I kind of accidentally proved a point. I think sometimes when you do less as a parent, it actually helps your kid more. Yeah. It gives them more of a chance to develop as an individual and it just reduces the stress in your life. So that's the premise behind it. Uh, And I do hope you'll, I hope you'll enjoy the book.
5: I'll have to check it out for sure. We will. Thank you, James. Dr. Tuzi, what's today's way or the tips that you would like to share with our podcast followers?
6: Yes, a couple important ones. One, we're not perfect. Two, don't have our imperfections be a secret. As we heard with grandma never having admitted that her son's leg had broken. Mm -hmm. I think it's when I told my family immediately my son had fallen off the changing table that every single one said their child had fallen to. (laughs) And so you get support right away by having a, a group of people to talk to about the times you feel like you mess up. And then having your child know that you're not perfect. So being able to say you're sorry is such an important building block for your child in their own level of vulnerability. And lastly, I don't want us to miss that. There are times we really miss it as parents. So if there's a parent out there who's really missed it and their child got abused or got hurt in a way that they aren't recovering, then please seek therapy. You know, we have in our resources a large list of where we can help refer for therapy. But I have worked with lots of parents that do take their child in. um, Together, don't send your child. Take your child with Mm -hmm. you and have some family therapy sessions to get past the ones that are the really big ones that, you know, and I'm sorry, just doesn't help them recover the way we'd
0: like. That's correct. That's correct. Thank you for that. Now, that's it for this episode of The Struggle Is Real. Remember to go and rate us on iTunes and SoundCloud.
5: Of course, and more resources can be found at FamilyBridgesUSA.org. Stay connected on social media with the hashtag Real, or simply hashtag TSIR.
0: Thank you for joining us. We're Veronica Avila.
5: On this side, Omar Ramos. Till next time.
0: This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com.